0: You're listening to Breaking the Silence by Reach 10, where we are creating a culture of healthy sexuality through courage, compassion, and connection to overcome the shame, silence, and fear that often surrounds topics like pornography and sexuality. We are your hosts, Chrishell Simons and Creed Orm.
1: Welcome back, listeners, to Breaking the Silence by Reach 10 with your hosts, Creed and Chrishell. Today we are breaking the silence with Cassandra Hulse on themes regarding woman and pornography. Uh, but we'll call her Cassie because she's our dear friend and we love having her. Thank you for being here with us, Cassie.
0: Thank you, guys. I'm excited. No, we're yeah. so stoked to have you on the show. This is awesome. Same. <laughs> yeah,
1: It's incredible because we are so looking forward to hearing your story, your side of things, because we feel like there's a lot of silence regarding... Women in pornography, women's use of it, women's topics regarding it, and we feel like you're a strong voice for that. So we're we're so excited to have you and hear your thoughts regarding those aspects.
0: Yeah, awesome. So, Cassie, tell us a little bit about yourself and in your story. We want to get to know
2: you a little bit. Yeah, so I grew up in Oregon and well, I went to BYU. I'm done with school now. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. I studied linguistics, and emphasizing in English and Spanish, and I'm learning French right now. And right now I'm working as a full-time freelance writer, which I love. I get to work from home, and I have a cat, so I just get to spend all day writing with What's my cat. What's your cat's name again? Sammy. Sammy. That's yeah. so it is. That's so it's pretty great. I sound... As I'm saying it out loud, I think, wow, I'm making my way to a a crazy cat lady, but (laughs) that's okay because it's a great life.
1: (laughs) Very simple life. Yeah, And you have friends all the time.
2: (laughs) And living here in Provo, you know, you're right next to the mountains and that's another one of my favorite things to do is to like get out and hike and yeah, I just love it. That's fantastic. Yeah. So as far as my story goes... Regarding pornography. I was exposed to internet pornography when I was about eleven years old. At that age, we're obviously going through a lot of changes, and I did not like middle school. I didn't like any of the things I was having to deal with at that age, yet alone some traumas that I was dealing with as well. So I found internet pornography, and I found that it made me feel better, and I just started going to it more and more often um, as a coping mechanism, and eventually, as a teenager, I was using it regularly, sometimes multiple times a day, and not a single person on earth knew. I was so afraid to tell anyone about it. I thought people would call me a freak and, or think that I was like disgusting. And so I was terrified to, to even say the word pornography out loud. And so then I kind of, you know, once I went off to college, my life circumstances with roommates and things kind of changed. So I, I was able to kind of break out of the regular habitual use of pornography and I was able to serve a mission for my church which is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and I served in Lima Peru and it was awesome and I loved it and I thought that pornography was behind me and that I didn't have to worry about it anymore after you know I had told my bishop about it and before going on my mission. And he was like, you're totally fine. Like, thank you for telling me don't do it again. Hmm. (laughs) And I, you know, I said, Oh yes. Okay. Of course. Like, yeah, I will never do it again. (laughs) And by getting back from my mission, life just is hard. (laughs) And just a couple months after being home, I had a slip up with pornography and i was devastated by it and after that slip up i talked to my bishop but then it still kept happening and i didn't understand why it kept happening um so there just was a ton of shame there because first like i thought that i had left it behind me and i thought that i was being a hypocrite and especially after like spending 18 months teaching people about Jesus Christ. And then here I am like watching pornography. So after that, I uh, or you know, besides that, I'm a woman and women are not supposed to have anything to do with pornography. And at least
1: that's what culture says. Exactly.
2: Yeah. Exactly. It's like, a man that's,
1: thing, not, yeah. not for women to do.
2: Yeah. And and that's what I believed. Uh, I, I thought that, that there was something wrong with me. I questioned my sexuality. I questioned just everything about who I was because it was so against what our society like tells us, right? And so there just was a lot of shame there and that shame just, it was isolating and my self-worth just was shot. And so then one day I, after experiencing a slip up and kind of like reaching my last straw, I decided to write a blog post about my addiction and like tell the world, Hey, my name is Cassie Holson. I struggle with pornography and here I am. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, that day, so that was February of 2016 that I wrote it and published it on Facebook. And.
1: Did lots of people read it? Yes. What was that like?
2: It was terrifying. I, like, I remember every detail of that day, uh, still. And, um, the, the one thing that happened that I did not expect was an outpouring of love. I, So I had, uh, almost like 3000 views in like 12 hours and it kind of like petered off from there. So it didn't go viral or anything, but I only had like 800 Facebook friends. So to me, that was like, whoa, this is crazy. Cause like just yesterday, like five people knew about my struggle And now, like, potentially, like, almost 3,000 people know. Um, So, yeah, it was terrifying. But the outpouring of love came through hundreds of messages on Facebook. And text messages, emails, comments on my blog. Just mostly from women saying, like, thank you so much. And some guys saying, like, thank you, like, I had no idea that women struggled with this, and it's good to know that women aren't perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, messages from women saying, like, thank you for letting me know that I'm okay. And not to be confused with, like, that I was, like, like condoning their behavior, but... But just that they're normal, that they yeah. aren't alone. They're not yeah. freaks. They're not... No. Yeah. So... That probably was the one of the most life-changing experiences was learning that if I was willing to reach out and say, hey, I struggle with this, there are hundreds of people who can reach back to you and say, hey, me too, you're not alone. So, yeah.
1: That's powerful. Yeah. Powerful, you're not alone, specifically in that regard of, Being a woman using pornography, it's something that tons of people deal with, and it's not just a man problem, it's a person problem, Mm -hmm. and it's something that we need to overcome together.
0: Exactly. I think that's one of the most difficult things, and one of the biggest themes that I have found in this is that we often think that we're alone and that no one understands. I think that's one of the biggest lies that we buy into. Mm -hmm in in the struggle of figuring out our sexuality and figuring out how to cope and deal with life in a healthy way. And surprise, we're all thinking we're alone in the same sea. Yeah. <laughs> and and so I love your story. And thank you so much for sharing. Thank you guys for listening. Of course, of course. I I'm really curious, how did this impact your self-worth?
2: Yeah, so... Um, I mean, a lot of ways, but first, I guess just specifically for women, I mean, I can't speak for all women, but as a woman, this is my experience. (laughs) Um, first was the pornography that either I was reading because, you know, pornography we know, like, isn't just images. Um, and especially for women, a lot of times it's through literature But the pornography that I was either reading about or seeing often portrays perfect women. And so constantly I was receiving this message of, this is what you're supposed to look like, and I don't look like that. Therefore, I am unlovable. And that probably was like the biggest message that I was receiving through pornography. And then the other one would be the shame of the the silence and secrecy and isolation that comes through being caught up in it and thinking, you know, that something was wrong with me, that I wasn't supposed to be struggling with a, a man's problem, which now we know mm-hmm. is a human's problem. And um so, yeah, those two major things put me into this... Shell of thinking that I just was not good enough and that I could not be loved or would not be worthy of love while I struggled with pornography. So,
0: where are you at with that now? How have you overcome that?
1: Or <laughs> what are you still working on? Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, I am way beyond that now. <laughs> um Hallelujah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm gonna give you guys like a brief history of my recovery story. Yeah. If that's okay. yeah. Okay. So I entered recovery officially, which means like going to meetings, seeking help from well, in my case it meant seeking help from a therapist. And like, joining a group, having a support system, having a plan. So I started doing that in March of 2016. And since then, I have completely changed my life. And by I have changed my life, I mean, like, God has changed my life. But anyways.
1: It takes you, you doing action, though, right? Yeah, yeah steer apart car so right you being i mean just hearing so you made your your facebook post in february mm-hmm. right and then just a month later you started doing all these things to to progress towards recovery yeah i think that's yes. um, really important and cool that you were able to humble yourself i guess in a way to do that yeah. because i think it takes humility to be like okay i I need help. I can't stop this on my own. I need the support group. I need a therapist. Mm-hmm. I need to do take these actions to help myself. I can't just try to do it by myself anymore, right? Mm-hmm. With God, with uh, with support people. So, yeah. cool to hear that, that you took those actions.
2: Well, and kind of a small side story. The first time that I ever even heard the word recovery or 12-step manual or addiction recovery group was at the Utah Coalition Against Pornography. That the, the month after I published my blog. And I think it was actually Vonna Davis, our founder of Reach 10, who reached out to me and invited me to the my first UCAP conference. I don't know if you remember that, but... Okay. So it was at that conference that I learned that there are tools out there to help me because I think a lot of well-meaning people in my life like bishops or other ecclesiastical leaders I don't think it occurred to them to tell me that those things existed because I talk to my male peers and they they're like, oh yeah we've known about things like that like since we were teenagers right
1: like things like what?
2: Uh, Like the addiction recovery program Mm -hmm. or
1: things to help.
2: Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Uh And with me, that just wasn't the case. I think it just didn't occur to them to tell me about those resources because a lot of them thought like, oh, this is not as bad as it probably is. I don't know. I don't know. Mm. So, yeah, it wasn't until March that I of 2016 that I actually learned that there were things I could be doing besides praying and reading my scriptures to help me out of the dark pit that I'd been in for so long. So you had some hope
0: Mm -hmm. and some help. Yeah. Which is wonderful. And, and where are you at now? Like, how do you, like your self-worth? Okay.
2: So now life is awesome. (laughs) Um, I'm still in therapy I still go to my weekly group addiction recovery meetings. I'm still working the 12 steps. And I, a lot of people think that like you arrive at like being recovered. And, but the truth is like the work never ends. And not because like you're always going to be broken It's not like that at all, uh, because I feel whole. I feel healed now. But it's that I have discovered these amazing tools, like therapy and like my addiction recovery group, that have allowed me to be stronger and to be happier. And so I'm going to continue using those tools, and even 20 years from now, using these tools... Continually, it's allowed my self-worth to just grow and grow and grow, learning different tools like affirmations and finding those tools that I can add into my belt that just help me to know that I am worth recovery, I'm worth being happy, and most importantly, I'm worthy of love.
1: Beautiful. Good. I'm glad you've been able to. Increase in those beliefs and feelings. So important for everybody to feel.
2: Yeah.
0: Thanks. I just like felt how true all of those statements were as you were saying them. Like you yeah. are so <laughs> worthy of love. And and I I feel that from you and I'm just really, really proud of you and honored to know you and all of the feelings. Oh, <laughs> just, sure. I just think the world of you. Um as you talk a little bit about just some differences in, in your experience in recovery compared to, like, men that you've talked to, are there any other differences that have been, like, hard for you to navigate or, or just interesting to navigate, even?
2: Yeah. Just in the past few years alone, we've had a bit of an increase in support materials for women, but that being said, there still is just a huge lack of resources. I am lucky enough to live in an area where we have multiple women-only recovery groups. And I hope they exist elsewhere. <laughs> but yeah, that has been the biggest challenge is that just for instance, we have like almost 15 men's only recovery groups in the area but there are only two women's groups right now and like that number is always changing but um that just is kind of a good ratio to give I feel like even with like books and like any other materials so that has been probably the biggest challenge and then of course like because there aren't like a lot of resources or very many women talking about their own struggles with it, probably the biggest hurdle that women have to get into recovery is finding the courage to say something to a trusted friend. Because, you know, not only do you have to find the courage to say it, but you hope that you say it to, to the right person who can react with love. Luckily, that has been my case 100% of the time. So, yeah, I don't know. That's kind of probably the biggest challenges there.
1: So what do you think friends and family can do to help, well, not just friends and family, but leaders and people can do to help girls and women who struggle with pornography?
2: The very first thing that I would say is just be willing to talk about it. Be willing to change your vernacular like just talking about growing up in a religious setting whenever we would hear the term pornography when I was young um, it would always be directed at the men and that was so so hard for me because every single time it was like like pouring another cup into my shame bucket (laughs) (laughs) Probably another bucket. Yeah. Right, (laughs) (laughs) And so, yeah, being aware that the words you say, the pronouns you use when you're talking about pornography, just being willing to be more inclusive with your language, I think that that is, like, the number one thing that you could do. Um, Never make any assumptions that that this person you're talking to doesn't struggle with it. And and then in another way, I think that... So I had a few women ecclesiastical leaders who would often, you know, bring up... They'd have to talk about pornography, but they would preface it with, now I know none of you struggle with this, but we need to talk about pornography. And... I think that they were hoping that by saying that they didn't want any of the girls to feel bad, you know, they, they, it was kind of like a reassuring thing, like, hey, we're not going to point anyone out. We just need to talk about it. When in reality, it kind of did the opposite effect where to the girl who was struggling with pornography, it felt like an absolute isolating and shaming
1: waterfall into your yeah (laughs) yes even though the the good intentions were there right just improper use of language and and perspective exactly right we need to say flat out okay woman some of you might struggle with this and in fact statistics show that many of you will as well so Mm -hmm. this is something we need to talk about
2: yeah yeah and just being able to do it with love
1: Mm mm-hmm
0: I just imagine, like, I remember having those conversations mm-hmm. in young women's and, like, my young women groups in the neighborhood. And, yeah, it was always like, I know none of you struggle with this, which, like, did not help my narrative either yeah. at all. Because I'm like, yeah, I don't struggle with it. Men are stupid. And, and that wasn't healthy. That yeah. wasn't healthy for me. And I can only imagine how isolating that was for you and how that then, like, your leaders were not someone safe that you could talk to. Yeah. Which yeah. is not what they want. That's not what we want to communicate. Right. And I think, like, now in, like, as a young adult and as, like, more of a leader figure and with my kids, I always want to be a safe spot Yeah. for them to talk to, yeah. regardless of their gender, regardless of their struggle, regardless of whatever it is, I want to be safe. And so I think... And that's probably what I love most about you. Cassie is you've always yeah. helped me to shift my perspective and, and to love people better. Ooh, thank you, Chrisella. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you said that so well. What advice would you have for parents and you've talked a little bit about leaders, but like for
2: for parents for for adults who are working with kids? Yeah. Um, the first thing that comes to mind is To not let fear rule your relationship with your child. Pornography, it can be a terrifying thing. And it's is—it's an evil that has plagued this world. But that doesn't mean that your child is evil. It doesn't mean that uh, your child is broken or... I think we
0: could also say that your friend is evil or your friend is broken, right. right? Like, yeah. it, this person that you're... Or having, abnormal. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, but this doesn't just apply to, to parent-child relationships, but any relationship.
2: Yeah, so exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I... There was a BYU professor, and I don't remember his name, but I'm going to quote him anyways. <laughs> <laughs> he said... If you you know maybe I better not quote it cuz I can't remember it exactly. The essence of it of what he said was if you're viewing as if you're viewing someone as like you need to fix them then like that that won't go anywhere. But if you're viewing this person as you Love them, you want to help them, you want to serve them, then that's where real work can happen, real progress, and real, like, repairing of relationships can happen. And I think that that goes, like you said, Chriselle, like, between any relationship. I know that there is a lot of fear for parents that they're, you know, they, they feel this responsibility to heal their child. And that's that's a whole other podcast topic, I think, for you guys, but just my really quick take on it is that our friend Rachel Andrews gave this awesome analogy that, you know, when your child, when your teen, we'll say, is learning to drive a car, you sit in the passenger seat and you give guidance, but you cannot hop onto their lap and steer the car and be in control of the gas and the brake. And I think that is something that parents need to remember about pornography with their kids is that, like, the more you are willing to be brave to have vulnerable and loving conversations, the more success you'll have in building trust and connection and safety, which are are the things that your teen needs the most, or child, if they're struggling with pornography. Be that safe person who loves them unconditionally and who you can help build that connection with. So I'm sure there's a lot more. that I know there's a lot more that can be said on that, but that's my, my quick, very first take on it.
1: Yeah, I love that. It takes proactive parents to realize that they need to contribute to an atmosphere of welcoming uh, openness, honesty, so that if their children are struggling with pornography or any, any other issue that they are they would be comfortable and willing to go to their parents to seek help. Yeah. And for the parents, I love that analogy as well, to understand that they still need to respect the autonomy of their child and their pace, like mm-hmm. how fast they're willing to go, how slow they're willing to go. I think parents can totally, you know, help be a navigator, be like, hey, this is a great direction to go or this could help or something and but it's still in the power of the child
2: yeah yeah exactly and kind of talking about like how this might be different for girls if your little girl is struggling or you're afraid she might struggle with pornography something to remember is that they it starts with self-esteem it starts with body image and So you might have to have conversations with her and with your boys about body image and things like that. But along the lines of, you know, hey, like if you're sitting down and watching TV with your kids and a commercial comes on with a woman who like a Victoria's Secret commercial, you can ask your kids questions about it and use that as an opportunity to talk to them and be like, hey, like how does that make you feel that she is dressed like that? And you can, you should ask your daughters that too, not just your boys. Yeah. And as you like expound on those conversations and start asking questions and talking to them about how their self-worth doesn't come from how they look, you know, being willing to like have, have those conversations about being sexually healthy and, abstaining from pornography, but also, you know, recognizing these girls, that these girls have so much more power than what pornography tells them they have.
0: Mm.
2: That their power, you know, the, the as women, we are, we learn that our power comes from our bodies and how our bodies are used and how, what they look like. And taking time to have many conversations with your children, your sons and daughters, but definitely your daughters mm-hmm. about, about how they, their power does not come from looking like a Victoria's Secret model.
1: Exactly. I uh,
2: was kind of convoluted. But.
0: No, I think that the message is so clear though, is that like our self-worth is so much deeper than just yeah. like what we look and show up. right
1: and facilitating positive self body image you know accepting we are beautiful the way we are obviously we want to have healthy behaviors but whatever our body turns out after that that's the way it is and it's a good thing or even just in any sense positive self image and positive self body image is really important to have yeah
0: What advice would you give young men who may not have thought about the possibility of women having difficulties or struggles with pornography? So I think,
2: yeah, yeah. I, I think that like in my experience guys have been kinder to (laughs) like have like reacted more positively to a woman telling them about their struggles then perhaps maybe a girlfriend has reacted to a boyfriend telling her and i think it's because guys you know they they've been given more of an opportunity to have these conversations and they know that they're not the only ones who struggle like they know that they know that this is a struggle that guys have and I think that it's probably... I mean, Creed, you can tell me what you think. Like, it kind of a relief to know that women are also human beings. Mm -hmm. I don't know.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, I think for anybody to know that they're, once again, that they're not alone, that, yes, women have their issues as well, Um, Mm -hmm. and the fact that women can struggle with pornography as well, I mean, it definitely helps to to get rid of that shame narrative that, oh, it's it's all me, and the narrative that all men are bad because they struggle with pornography. Mm-hmm. I mean, just that narrative in general is bad in a sense, too, because we don't want to think that anybody is is bad or not good because they struggle with pornography. But it is really, I mean, it's, it's helpful to know that we are all in the same boat. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I guess I don't have any, like, actual advice for it, but it is interesting to... Kind of recognize how that dynamic changes when women are approaching men with this, with this topic. Yeah, that is really interesting. Yeah. What do you think healthy sexuality is from all your experiences and just like now in your life? Healthy sexuality is just like any other like, area in your life that you want to work on. If it's physical health, emotional health, mental health, financial health... There's sexual health too. It's something that you're always working on, that you always are learning about and trying to improve.
0: So I just want to say hallelujah, amen. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Exactly. Got that off
2: my chest. Yes. uh, Feel free to do that again anytime. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, for me as single, sexually inactive woman. My healthy sexuality looks a lot like education and boundaries and practicing hygiene. It's just all about loving myself, or at least not hating myself. (laughs) It's about respecting my body and being happy that I have a body and... Yeah, I mean, there are so many different facets when we're con- talking about uh healthy sexuality. But I guess for me, those are the ones I focus the most on, especially boundaries as I'm dating and like being in different relationships with different people and just practicing safety and respect for myself and the people around me. So, yeah, I love that so much. Yeah. Do you have anything to add on healthy
0: sexuality? No, I think I think you summarized that so well. Is just like really education is the first step of just like figuring out like who I am as a sexual being.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, and my story is a little bit different and, and we've already gone there. But I had shoved my sexuality in a box and locked that box in a safe and mm-hmm. locked that safe the bottom of the ocean. Um, right. Because of the fear that I had. Regarding the pain that I witnessed in my life and experienced in my life because of sexuality, mm-hmm. and totally. and so for me it has taken a lot of of reading, of searching for the truth, and and of I hesitate to use the word explore, but like really just like figuring out like who I am and and what I value and what I need, and learning to love and accept myself for my feelings, my emotions. And and that's what I think is so fascinating about sexuality is it's more than just sex. Right. Like, it really is so much more than that. And I think that's one of the huge lies of pornography is that pornography just, like, takes sexuality and just, like, makes it about sex and makes it about, like, that experience, which is so... It's so much more than that. It's It's so... It's a holistic thing in our lives that is so important to develop and understand, and, and I'm still having a hard time putting words to it, and I'm realizing that it, it impacts every aspect of my life, and a lot of it starts with how I view myself and how I view others.
2: So. Amen and hallelujah.
0: Oh, <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> and some praise Jesus in here will be good. <laughs> no, and I don't, I don't want to take that too lightly, but it, and yeah, it's so, yeah. so good. Love that. And I guess one question for you, and and I think you've touched on this a little bit, is what good has come from this experience for you?
2: Mm, I love that question. Um, So, yeah, that's okay. I would never want anyone to experience what I had to experience in my life in regards to sexual trauma, pornography, all those things unfortunately, so many people have experienced those things. And so I love your question because I love talking about the good that has come from it because as horrible as those experiences were and as horrible as the, the hold that pornography had over me was, I have found a new sense of freedom. And I have found a new sense of appreciating the simple joy that comes from feeling emotions. Like that, that's either going to like sound crazy to someone or really resonate with someone, depending on your experiences. But I spent most of my life numbing my emotions, Mm -hmm. you know, wanting to numb the pain. But unfortunately, that also means numbing any good feelings. Right. So I just in these past few years, if if there's even just one thing that's come from this, that has just made life so much more enjoyable, it has been being able to feel emotions, even the bad ones. And being able to be more self-aware, know what I'm feeling in my body and and then being able to like reach over and help out a friend who's going through something like that too, you know, and so I guess in these 3 or so years of recovery the greatest thing has been learning who I am without pornography. And I love it. I love who I am without pornography. I mean, I loved, I love, I I love myself. <laughs> right? Like, yeah, important
1: I, to love yourself even in the midst of <laughs> right. pornography, right? But,
2: yeah. But yeah, just like these past, it's probably been like a year or so that I have actually been getting to know myself As kind of a new person,
1: a free person. Yeah, you say free to love, feel, explore. Yeah, um, without being chained down by pornography.
2: Yeah, yeah, and 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 the
1: shame surrounding all of it.
2: Exactly, and free to to chase after things that I want without being bogged down by thoughts of "you're not good enough." Or like this will be too hard for you or you know like just being free to live my life how I want to live it, like living fearlessly and but with boundaries that I've learned in recovery.
1: <laughs>
2: and it's just been awesome. That was so
0: beautiful and amazing and inspiring. Thank you. And and so you, honestly. That's, I think I think that was Just perfect well said
1: it's so good to see and to hear of people who can come from something like that and be able to improve change and just be able to live life in a healthier happier way the struggle is never over but at least now you have some skills on your belt and you're just able to live life in in a way that you feel like you can you have hope you have confidence in yourself that you can have a happy good life right yeah and, yeah, it's beautiful to see.
2: Yeah, thank you. And something that I say a lot and that I hear a lot in the recovery world is that, you know, when you're in recovery, you're it's like climbing a mountain, and it's very, very difficult and tiring, and you fall down a lot, and there's this idea that, you know, you're climbing to get to the top, and when you're at the top, you've made it, and you know, there are a few things wrong with that analogy. One being that, like you said, it's like recovery is something that you're always going to be living. Right. And so in relation to what I just said, I feel like I have made it to the top of the mountain, but the strength that I gained while climbing this mountain and the things that I learned I'm now sitting with those tools and with that strength at the top of the mountain. And I can see an incredible view of more mountains that I get to climb. Mm. And rather than being bogged down by it or terrified by it, it's a feeling of excitement and confidence and saying like, I have the strength to climb these mountains and i'm gonna keep climbing mountains it's like you go from like this complete novice who hates climbing mountains to becoming a mountaineer and it's like your life source i love it well that's let's
1: all be about mountaineers
2: yeah (laughs) that's
0: so perfect so so good it's been so good to have you come and share your story share your wisdom and share uh, just your love with us. Thank you so much for taking time and, and coming in and, and sharing a little bit of you oh, with the world. It's so fantastic. Yeah, we love you,
1: Cassie. Thank you for mm-hmm. your time and for sharing all of this. It's wonderful. Thanks you guys.
0: Thank you for listening to breaking the silence by reach 10. Help us create a new culture of connection by sharing what you heard today with at least 10 people Please help us reach more young adults by going to iTunes to rate and review our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Reach 10 is a nonprofit. You can help support this podcast by donating on our website and following us on social media. We share these views to open the dialogue on these tough issues. We are not professionals and the ideas shared on this podcast should not be taken as professional advice. The opinions and views that our hosts and guests share do not necessarily reflect the views of Reach 10, and we don't guarantee the accuracy of any statements you hear. Reach 10 is not responsible for your use of information heard on this podcast. We keep learning and invite you to join us as we build a more open, compassionate, and courageous culture.